from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back. It's hope day this week for Locked On Chiefs, and we have a great one for you. We're going to talk with the Athletics' Deuce Windham, a guy that has covered the New Orleans Saints for quite a long time and knows a lot about Alex Okafor. And we're going to talk about some pass rush today. And Deuce has some great insight into the newest guy that's going to be along that offensive front for the Kansas City Chiefs coming in this next season. Uh, before we get to Deuce, though, got a couple of things going on. Seth's going to be with me tomorrow. Uh, we're bumping that back because of some things that uh, we're tied up with. Couldn't get that recorded today. So look for Seth tomorrow. A couple of things on the free agent front. It's that second week, so it's all starting to slow down. That doesn't mean that it's not worth still pursuing some guys. Still have no information about uh, the Denard visit. Uh, clearly, with the signing of Breland and no news about him, the Chiefs have, have likely passed on him at this point. And that is probably, in my opinion, a, a good thing because uh, Denard's a guy that struggled in, in the NFL. I don't think that he really offered you much. I, I think Breland is a better silent signing. Uh, and Seth and I are going to talk all about Breland tomorrow. Uh, make sure you check out everything that he's doing with the uh, the film analysis. We're going to go through the film, the two of us, and go back and forth about what we're seeing and what it might mean for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, a couple of things about free agency have been interesting. Uh, Trez Paler reported that Eric Berry has gone uh, and had a long visit with the Dallas Cowboys and left there without a contract. Uh, I think it's it's telling, and I think it's... The longer this goes on, I think the better Chiefs fans can feel about the fact that uh, he's just not able to play. It doesn't look like the the first team that had the most interest in him after losing out on Earl Thomas. And the Cowboys were very interested in Thomas. Uh, it's telling that they did not give him a contract right off the go. So clearly, I don't think anybody has a lot of faith in his ability to play this next season, although he swears up and down that he is going to play. So uh, just understand that that's further proof that maybe he's he's really not quite ready and this this moving on is something that had to happen regardless. Likewise Justin Houston hasn't signed either. There's there's supposedly talk about amongst a couple of teams but clearly nothing yet. And that that again is another sign that between the age and the history of these two players that uh the Chiefs were were more and more justified in the the eyes of the league to move on from them and their enormous contracts. Now that said Somebody else that got moved on from is uh, Vontis Burflick uh, and is no longer in Cincinnati. Uh, I can't say that I'm surprised by that. Not only is, is he just a headache in terms of the penalties uh, and the dirty play, but uh, he's a guy that literally took a, a, a slowdown last year. He is not as quick as he used to be. He's not as effective as he used to be. Um, so then leave it to the the currently... Oakland about to be Las Vegas Raiders to come in, have him in for a visit and sign him immediately. So in terms of its impact on the AFC West, I think it gives him a guy in the middle that knows what he's doing. I think that's an upgrade for them, but clearly uh, a guy that's not as athletically sound as he used to be. Uh, and for the rest of the teams, including the chiefs in this division, a guy that's going to give him some headache in terms of, you know, you got to watch your ankles. <laughs> got to watch your eyes when you're in a pile. There, there's a lot going on there. So it's I don't think it's a huge impact in terms of their ability to attack the Raider defense, but it is something in terms that they got to be mindful of their health when they're out there on the field with this type of guy who, who's got such a history of blatant aggressiveness, bad plays, a uh, lot of penalties. So uh, look for that to be something that can be exploited as well. So 
Uh, that's really your update for free agency today. Not a ton going on. I expect the Chiefs to continue to be active, though, in terms of looking for more bits and pieces to fulfill. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily rule out a pass rusher because you would think at this point, even if there's a high-end draft pick in the future, uh, that Alex Okafor is going to start opposite Breland Speaks. And these are going to be your two bulkier 4-3 DNs. Both of them are, are good size, good length, um, and yet are athletic for what they are. They're not edge spenders like Von Miller or D Ford, um, but they're more stout than Justin Houston even. So that gives you the, a kind of feel for that. Uh, and that's really what piqued my interest about Okafor and what he's done previously. Uh, he did play in Arizona for a while with the Cardinals, uh, actually played with Tyron Matthews. So um, that's going to be a, a homecoming of sorts. This Breland and Kendall Fuller thing is kind of a homecoming. So getting a couple of pairs of guys that have really, really played well together in the past and have that rapport, and I think that's something uh, really good going forward for what the Chiefs need to do. So, so I'm going to take a break. We'll be right back, and I'll start talking with Deuce. We'll learn about Alex Okafor. We want to say thank you for all of your support through this entire season and want to let you know we will be here all off season for you. This and every episode that we'll be bringing to you are going to be available every week, just like normal, all off season long. So thanks for taking the time. All of you new folks, thanks for leaving your iTunes reviews and everything else. We appreciate your time and keep it locked on, Chiefs. Well, folks, a lot's been going on in Chiefs Kingdom, some new names, some new faces, and we got to start finding out from people who know these things and Deuce Windham's one of them uh, at do I'm sorry. I got to say this right at Rev Deuce Windham, uh, a friend of Seth's somebody from the athletics, somebody that does a lot of film breakdown and he happens to do this all on a team called the new Orleans saints. How are you dude? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. It's uh got to know Seth a little bit. So obviously y'all are very familiar with Seth's work and uh, decided to reach out. And, you know, I knew that some of the reactions for Alex would be, Kind of almost indifferent. So I want to uh, just kind of bring a Saints voice to it, tell, tell you guys how he's been. Well, I'm glad you're here because I got to tell you, uh, I was in New Orleans the day both of our teams lost. So uh, me and my family were down there in the quarter trying to have a good time, trying to ignore what was going on. Um, and it was it was a heck of a day. So uh, I have to say that before that day and before being in the city, um, I, I had taken Oak for, for basically, you know, a guy that, that occupies some space that can push some pocket, but wasn't really much of a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've since done a couple of games of his and I, I see sparks. I see flashes. Is that, is that really what he is? Is he an up and down kind of guy? You know, I, I wouldn't call him up and down because when I think down, I usually think bad play. And you don't get many bad reps from Okafor. But when it comes to the really good stuff, you know, that, that the highlight real stuff we look for, those are where it's more of just a flash area. They can happen, but that's not really his game as much as it's just being a very solid player who can flash at times. But I, I do also want to emphasize that it's very important even in today's league to simply have a player who, when it comes to his floor, he doesn't drop below that. He's very consistent at the level he plays at. And then there come some plays where, man, that was a special play that he just made. You know, and I, I get exactly where you're coming from. The thing that I notice, and, and like I said, I've only done a couple of games, but it looks like he can play from both sides. Mm-hmm. It looks like he can play from, from just a shade outside the tackle shoulder to all the way out to a wide nine at times. Is there anything he can't do from that DN position? 
I'm going to say no. Uh, like I said, he can play a five. He can go out wide nine. Now, the question is, how effective is he in that role? So when you put him out in the wide nine, how does he win or how does he not win? You know, so with him, his go-to stuff is power moves. And he's not the most powerful guy. He's also got enough, you know, just enough athleticism to bend the edge. I know Seth put out a couple of clips showing that. I've got a couple of things, you know, displaying his ability to drop and and get down on that some of that knee and ankle flexion you look for. But once again, we're also not talking about him having elite ability there. I think when it comes to him playing wide as a pass rusher, his biggest flaw is that he's not an incredibly strong athlete. He's just not a, you know, all these premier guys we watch, Khalil Max, Von Millers, Demarcus Lawrence. He's just not that. But what he really is is a very good mental processor. He reads plays extremely well to the point where you can trust him on contain. And I know for you guys, run defense has been a big struggle. He is extremely solid and contained. He does a really good job to stack blockers and shed them when needed. And I think that's a big positive for you guys. He's not an overwhelming talent on the edge, but he's good at everything he does. He's a lunch pail type of a player. And that's why he's been so beneficial to New Orleans. So in Arizona, he was a part-time guy. He was just a situational pass rusher, spent most of his time coming up from a two-point stance. Then he came to New Orleans and became the starter and really shined in that role. You know, and I'm glad that you bring up the run in particular, because that's something that I noticed that I didn't feel like in what I viewed, at least, that he got run through or around. Uh, it looked like he's able to come off the edge once he yeah. sets it as well and has enough chase to get back to the side. Correct. Uh, he does a very he's got great motor. He, he does give up on plays. One of my favorite things about Okafor was you could always know what is typically that weak side where he usually lines up on that left side. You didn't have to worry about cutbacks. You didn't have to worry about option plays. He was generally going to shut them down and maintain his gap. His gap integrity is one of the highlights, in my opinion, for him. And one of his go-to moves to do that is a single arm stack where, you know, and that you used to see the single arm pass rush where you extend one side of your body to get more leverage, create more length, and then you use that as a bull rush. Well, he'll use it to actually stack the edge and contain where he'll use that same move. He'll lock out one side and then he'll peek. And whichever side the running back goes, then he just simply sheds the guy and gets to the ball carrier. And I think that's one of my favorite aspects about him because we always love pass rush, and I know you know sixty percent of the game is passing now. But you still have to be able to play as a complete player to truly be a three down guy in this league. Because you, know, you guys are used to seeing it, we're used to seeing it. Forty yard runs hurt just as much as a forty yard pass does. And the misdirection teams are using now, especially when you get into playoff football. And I feel like that is an area that the Saints really enjoyed Okafor in, just his intelligence and his ability on the edge. You need somebody that you can rely on to not be fooled by all the misdirection, all the craziness that comes out. And Alex is not one of those guys that gets fooled. And you are preaching to the choir on the run and watching D Ford play in this Chiefs defense of the past. He was reliant on the fact that he had a five tech inside of him. And I think that's the thing that stands out to me the most is the Oak Ford doesn't need somebody to help him. He's got that locked down, like you said, on his own. My question becomes. In designated passing downs, third and long, that kind of thing, does he have enough spring in his step to get to the corner? I think he can win mm-hmm. once he gets there. Like you said, he's got a, more than a, than just the average number of moves, but it's getting to that outside Here's shoulder. Here's what I would him. say when it comes to Alex. Can he do it? Yes. Here's where Alex is going to fail you. If Alex is your primary pass rusher in your plan, he's going to fail you because he's easy to – 
go away from, if that makes sense. So he is, he doesn't have the speed. I mean, the hand placement, which I'm sure you've seen is great. He knows how to attack the shoulder. He just doesn't have that extra oomph, that extra strength, that extra speed, the extra bend to give that, you know, that one second you need to get to the quarterback. He's that guy that he's going to hit the quarterback on the quarterback's third, fourth, fifth read, not the guy who's going to get there around the first, second read, two and a half, three seconds in. If he is your secondary pass rusher, he can still be very effective. And I know we don't hear a lot of people describe pass rushers in that manner, but I think that's a great way to think about Alex Okafor. If he's the guy that you're trying to be there immediately to bend the edge and be the first pass rush, he's not going to be a guy that you can trust to get that 8-10 sacks. But if you can play off of him and then he's the, you know, let's call him the recovery guy, the opposite side of, you know, you force the passer out and then he gets the other side of it. He does a really good job of that, that cleanup type role because he has enough athleticism and strength to get to that, you know, that breach the pocket in four seconds. So let me ask you this then, theoretically, I mean, not even looking at what the Chiefs have on their current roster, but if you're trying to do the kind of the hounds to the hunter type maneuver, in today's passing game where guys are trying to get the ball out in two and a half or less or Bray's getting out in 2.18 or whatever it is, do you want to pair him specifically with a guy that is just real bursty off There's the other edge? There's two ways you can approach that. And the, the Saints used a couple different ways, and Okafor is on the field for both of them. So one great thing about Okafor is he's very versatile. He's not a guy that's limited to just being a three-point stance, hand-the-dirt player. You, you could actually drop him back in coverage. Uh, he, like I said, this goes back to what I said earlier, very good in the mental processing area and the things that we look at there. He reads the field well. So like with New Orleans in 2017, before he got injured, he had four pass deflections to go with his four-and-a-half sacks. And I think that year – we're looking at, in terms of total snaps, I think 480 snaps, so not a ton of snaps. Those are pretty decent numbers. So he understands to get into passing lanes, how to get in the way, and also drop back into coverage to defend those short areas. You can do that with him, and you can do some of those, uh, you know, a green dog blitz where you blitz from the opposite side, and then you drop Okafor back on that weak side into a short zone. Or you can do, as you're suggesting, where you go with a speed rush on one side, and then you leave him to be the secondary rush on the opposite. I like that a lot. And what we've seen with the Chiefs additions on their coaching staff is uh, the possibility that we're going to be looking yes. at a lot of, of of twists up front. How is he reducing he is inside and coming around the corner on the tackle inside? to end twist? Um, that is something the Saints do very, very well and very heavy. Now it's mostly it's more predominant on the Sheldon Rankins Cameron Jordan side for obvious reasons. Two first round very good talents, but uh, you saw. Anyamata pair with Okafor and do that on the opposite side as well. And that role got to, so if you go looking for it in last year's film, it got diminished a little bit. And the reason being is the Saints selected Marcus Davenport. And he started seeing some of those situations where they wanted to give him the ability to use all that force and power and attack inside with that just monstrous size that Davenport possesses. But 2017, you can go back and see a lot of those plays. And it's kind of like the theme of Okafor is we're talking about a good, you know, that above average type player. But if you have somebody better, you play them. But if you don't, you love to have Okafor. And he can play the stunt game. He knows how to read it well. When he gets asked to do it and be the outside guy, he reads the hip of the tackle very well to slide inside. He doesn't take wide arcs. Pretty good in his quickness as well. Uh, you know, like I said, you, you're still talking about a guy that's going to take three to four seconds to get there. But running that play, he does it effectively. Folks, we're going to take a break, and i got a couple more questions for Deuce before we wrap this up. 
We have a powerful new feed to tell you about. Check out Locked On NFL Net on Twitter. It is all the inside information from our hosts for all the Locked On shows for all of the NFL teams in one Twitter feed. That's LockedOnNFL.net on Twitter. Check that out today. Now, I, I hear where you're coming from with his ability to, to process mentally, and, and I've seen some of those drops that you were talking about in particular. But overall, take take it off the field for a second. Mm-hmm. In terms of being a guy that can learn the defense, obviously everyone's going to be in a new boat because the Chiefs have a brand new staff. Um, in terms of, of helping younger guys, guys that are going to be in the room with him, are pretty pretty short on experience. How is he in terms of uh, being that kind of older guy that the, I don't want to call him a mentor, but a guy with experience? I would say, and just coming from the media perspective of Okafor, Okafor has, the two years he was in New Orleans, was consistently one of the better guys in the locker room in terms of you know media availability, being willing to talk to people, and also being one of those guys that talks to the players. Now, he's not the most outspoken leader. Like He's not going to come in and just replace Justin Houston, Eric Berry, and just be that vocal guy who runs the team. But he's also a guy who you know helps out with the other players, very, very team-oriented. You know, I, I would call him selfless when it comes to football players right now. I'm I just feel that he fits a lot of the things that you're looking for when you just talk about a you know a football player as a coach. You want to have a guy like Alex Okafor, and you can see that when you're media talking to him. You could see it in how he interacts with you know the players around him. I don't know if I'm willing to call him one of those player coaches that on the field he's ready to just make sure that your young guy knows exactly what they're doing, but he's definitely going to be there to help out and. I think you could also see it too with how quickly he picked up the Saints defense. I mean, you, you go back a couple of years, there were even a lot of Saints analysts questioning this pickup. Was he going to be enough to take over that starter role? Because it was really a rotational guy behind the Arizona Cardinals, who at the time had a very nice front seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alex Ogilvie was simply part of that. He was simply a pass rusher there and didn't even spend a ton of time with his hand in the dirt. And he comes to New Orleans and immediately picks up that new role playing in an even front instead of an odd front. And, and I know the, the whole cliche thing, how there's really not too much difference between 3-4 and 4-3 anymore. It's semantics. But you know, just what he's being asked to do, he picked up very quickly in Dennis Allen's defense. Uh, for those unaware, Dennis Allen runs a, a myriad of different things. But in terms of the basics, their coverages are cover one, cover three, cover three match. There are some Tampa 2 zones thrown in there as well. And then from a blitzing standpoint, a lot of five- and six-man rushes, not too many crazy heavy drop eight. And also, like I said before, those fire blitzes where you blitz one guy from the opposite side, and then you're going to drop a lineman back in coverage, which he has experience with. And he was able to pick up all those things and start doing them in year one in New Orleans as a young player. So I do think that he could come into Kansas City, pick up the defense, and also – after he learns it, help with the other players if they need it in the locker room. Okay, so aside from being media, if you're the guy and you're bringing him in, and even though this isn't what's going to happen in Kansas City, but you want to make him the feature piece. You want to do everything you can do to set him up to be successful as a pass rusher. (laughs) What are your big tenets that you got to accomplish? All right, so if you need an Alex Ogafor-type player to be a premier pass rusher, what you have to do is you have to set an extremely solid secondary and 
I'm talking about having a, you know, I like some of the moves that Kansas City's already made, but you got to be able to press on the outside to buy those extra couple seconds because, you know, as everybody in the league is noticing, we're seeing more of these short option plays, more people going to, you know, RPOs and things like that. And, you know, and even the, the spread style system, real short stuff. Well, to be able to counteract that, you got to jam those quick routes, throw off those first couple reads for these quarterbacks. And the only way to really do that is to be able to attack up front and be aggressive. And that's how you can get Okafor the time he needs is to play that style. You know, having some rangy safeties will certainly help out. He's just not going to win immediately in one shot. And I, I just don't know if, you know, and maybe he progresses to that point in Kansas City, but he's never been that guy who in that two and a half second mark, he's got you. Folks, if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic because of Seth, which I don't know who's listening that might not be doing that, but you got to go do it for due. So I appreciate all of your time and give us the insight on this guy that I'm pretty excited about after talking to you. But, man, I, like I said, I, I'm not going to try to blow smoke anybody and say he's you know going to be the next Justin Houston. <laughs> but I do truly believe we're talking about a very quality player that Kansas City cannot necessarily build around but gives them the type of player that they need that gives them depth and strength so they can have success when they do have a premier talent. The way, and, you know, we always talk about, we want the, you know, the Justin Houston's in their prime. We want the Von Millers, but what really wins football games is having a complete 11 man unit. And you need Alex Okafors to do that. Man, folks, make sure you check out at Rev Deuce Wyndham and Deuce. Thank you for your time again. And that's it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow with Seth Kaiser from the athletic. And we're going to dig all through the Bashad Breland film, uh, look at what he can and can't do, how he fits with this defense, what he brings over some of the guys that have departed, and what it all means for what this defense might look like. Don't miss tomorrow's show. Appreciate all your support. Hope you guys are having a good one, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube. Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.